Welcome back, Internet Fitness family. This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean, your very gracious host. And my guest this morning is Rick Koenig. He's the owner of Strength Certified, located in Branson, Missouri. He's a second degree black belt. He trained under the Gracies, and he's a former MMA fighter. So, Rick, thanks for coming yes. on, man. Hey, man, thank you for having me, brother. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you got a very, very interesting background here, and I'm looking forward, like we were talking before we started recording here, I'm looking forward to kind of touching on all of it here because I want to hear all this very interesting stuff here. But I like to kind of like start things off here with just pretty much where – uh, at the very beginning of someone's life here, I like to give people kind of a, a context and where we where we're gonna go with all this here. So um, let's just talk about early life in general. So uh, what was what was your early life? What was it like for you growing up? Man, growing up, just uh, you know, you you think you think you're growing up in a in, in a normal life. You know what I mean? It's the only we, one we know. So again, mm -hmm. you know, looking back at it, I'm kind of like, well, man, yeah, it wasn't normal. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. <clears throat> very, uh, as a kid, always very aggressive. I was always a very aggressive kid. You know, uh, violent behaviors, just, I, I, I was that kid. And, um, you know, my parents, they, they needed to calm me down. They just saw that I, I, I was a troublemaker, um, just constantly getting into fights and, and things of that nature. So on... Um, June 27th, 1972, they enrolled me in my very first Taekwondo class because you had to be the age of four. And that's when I turned four, June 27th, uh, 1972. So that's kind of where my journey began. And, and again, helped me a lot with, with the anger issues and, and, and controlling it and, and starting to giving me the discipline and, and structure that I was able to carry out you know, through the rest of my journey. And, and to this day, I'm a very, very structured, disciplined individual. Um, up at 2.30 a.m. every morning, non-negotiable. I don't hit that snooze alarm. Um, I'm up and running, and I don't care if I'm making phone calls to 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, sometimes I don't sleep. Sometimes it just goes around the clock. But then again, I, I, I get into my um, myself. You know, sometimes sleep deprivation can be okay. A lot of times it can, but at the same point in time, yeah, like I said, um, embraced martial arts at a very young age, and, and that that really took me on on my, the rest of my journey. Uh, and and again, it was something that I embraced. Now I was always involved in other sports, football, baseball, basketball, but for any reason, if I chose not to, you know, do a season, my folks were like, "Well, you're back into the dojo. You're back into training." You know what I mean, like. They had to keep me occupied for the simple fact that if I kept myself occupied, nothing good was going to come out of it. <laughs> Bottom line. You know what I mean? Like I said, looking back at it now, I'll never forget my, my uncle. And again, like I said, I mean, I got a bad memory. I got TBI. That's, it's called traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. And it's just from just numerous concussions and soccer kicks to the head. And But I can remember, you know, my very first class. I can remember my uncle bringing me home from the swimming pool one, one summer, you know, basically telling my mom, I'm never taking this little bastard anywhere. All he wanted to do was fight, you know, and, and again, you know, and believe it or not, that, that actually stemmed from probably um, previous incidents as, as a baby. 
Um, you know, I found out through certain therapists that I went through just to kind of figure out why I had anger issues. And they were like, well, do you have older siblings? I said, yeah. They said, well, you know, it could have been possible where they were screwing with you as a baby, like taking your pinky out of your mouth or smacking you because you can't tell. You know, my oldest, my older sibling, uh, Jackie, she was 10 years older than me. Very envious, very jealous of me. Yeah. And uh, loved her to death. She passed away. Uh, again, no no hard feelings whatsoever. But, you know, I took away from her 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 shine. So I could see her being the one that kind of messed with me as a kid that inherently gave me the, the anger issues that I had. And and people don't realize that. You know, people yeah. think that it's something that it's inherited in you. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that scared dog. You know, that dog is scared for a reason. It's not right. because of it's a... It's a scared dog. Now that that dog got abused. Somebody right. screwed with that animal because of again, you know, we, we're all bar- born. I would like to believe with a kind heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gets damaged in one way, shape, or form, and and that's how you react generally in life. And you know, with me, you know, violence cured everything. You know, they basically kept people quiet. It shut them up. You know, you you right. run through somebody's face one time, they don't they don't want it again. So you eliminate the situation from the get go. So you started martial arts training, or at least learning the discipline at the age of four. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I mean, I, this is kind of hard for you, I guess, to reflect on. So, how do you go from being like you're an unruly four-year-old, yeah, and now and now you're in, and now you're learning to be very disciplined and controlled? That seems like a real switch there. Oh uh, man, I, I have been, man, I have been, and again, I still deal with issues, but I know how to control them. And again, mm-hmm. it's just my daily habits that I have. My daily habits, my non-negotiable tasks that I hear to every morning. I don't skip. Like I said, when I say 2.30 a.m. every morning, that's every morning. I don't miss a day. My doors are open. I'm here for my clients. I'm here for them. I'm not here for me. I'm very selfless, not selfish. Because, if, again, I've attained all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So bottom line is that's what individuals need to know is once you acquire what you admire, you need to give that away. And, and that took a long time. That took decades for me to learn. But, you know, when your purpose and your pleasure kind of unite with each other, that's when you're actually truly given the best version of yourself. So as you were growing up, okay, so you, get, you got into martial arts training, that kind of became like the defining uh, characteristic of who you were as you were growing older, right? So you were, um, you, got into, you said you got into security work later in life, right? Correct. Okay. Was the martial arts training like pretty much like a, was that a deliberate outcome of the martial arts training? I was known. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I I was born, um, grew up in Philadelphia to a young age and then we moved into South Jersey. Mm -hmm. But even in that tri-state area, which is very populated, you create a name, the bus gets out there. They, you know, everybody knows, even in your own town, people know who that person is. And, you know, I was known for being that person. And, and mm. I got I got tried all the time, but I prevailed. You know what I mean? I mean, it was right. one of those deals that, you know, I, 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 was, I was willing and I was prepared every day to battle. That's it. Somebody was going to come and say, hey, man, I heard you were this guy. Let's see what you're about. And I'm like, let's get it on. How do you want to <laughs> handle it? You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's, that's the way it was. And um, it, it wasn't talking about it. It was being about it. Mm-hmm. So at a, at a young age, you know, I was I was probably 
man, right out of high school. So I was uh, a little over 17, um, not yet 18. I, I got my first security gig at a, at a club and it was, it was ran by the mob, you know? And, uh, mm. so man, I'm a young kid, man, like, you know, working security and knowing who I can't touch and who I can touch. And, you know, I mean, just learning a valuable lesson now, retracting back. My father had pizzerias for 47 years. So I had a lot of uncles and aunts out there that weren't truly blood related, but again, you know, we're looking at individuals that were connected, you know what I right. mean? Just, we never were. I never was. We had connections. weren't connected. I'm German. You know what I mean? You got to mm -hmm. be 100% Italian, or at least it used to be, have to be, so they could trace your roots back to Italy. So if you did something wrong, they were coming after your family. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> there was no room for error. No room for error at all. So like I said, I started out running running security in my early 20s, but, you know, it started out as, as a bouncer, as a doorman. And it, you know, it, it was fun. I mean, you know, back then I was thought, you know, I was able to drink, but I wasn't allowed. Now, a lot of people don't realize like in the seventies itself, and I don't know if it was the same in Iowa, but the legal age to drink at those times was 18, you know, and, and that, that kind of changed way before I turned 18, but still I, I, I created a drinking habit at a young age. Um, you know, I, I remember being drunk at the age of nine. And, and they show now that, that, you know, individuals that start drinking at an early age do wind up um, with alcoholism. And, and ultimately, yeah. I became an alcoholic over decades. Never wanted to believe it. You know, my ego, I'm, I'm Rick Koenig. I'm a martial artist. I'm this, that, the whole nine yards. But, you know, I found out over the years that, yeah, I was an alcoholic. And until I got treatment for it, um, you know, that was probably one of the best things I ever did was go to treatment because I learned a lot about myself and I was there to learn. I wasn't there to appease the court systems to get a piece of paper signed off on. You know what I mean? I was there to learn about myself. Um, so like I said, yeah, I mean, you know, nightclub living life itself. I mean, I started running security probably from the age of 20 to about the age of probably 20, about 27, about 27. And I, you know, I, I ran, I ran uh, numerous nightclubs in, in the South Philly area. And again, you know, majority of them were, um, they were mob connected. You know, the owner, they one way, shape or form, the mob was there. You know, and again, well, my father owned pizzerias. You either work with them or, or you get eliminated. You know what I mean? And my, my father towed the line. He, he was a hardworking man. He was an orphan, um, Flatbush, New York. Born in 1933, and he was in an orphanage until he was 16. When he got out, went into the military, so he was a vet. And um, when he got out, he just started out with a hot dog cart in New York City and built his way up to restaurants and pizzerias. So I grew up in that industry. And, and people always ask me, well, why didn't you ever take it over? Well, the pizzeria industry, to me, was a form of punishment. Because anytime I screwed up, my father had me at the pizzeria. I was working my ass off for free to pay off whatever I screwed up. So I looked at it anytime I was in there as a form of punishment. You know what I mean? Even though it was a fun business, working for free isn't fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, you went into the security business knowing full well of the mob connections and whatnot. I mean, it was just something you grew up with, something that was just 
kind of taken for granted that all these places are just owned by organized crime? It, it, man, it, it was it was just one of those deals. It was a way of life, man. Yeah, it was a way of life. I didn't know any different. You know what I mean? I've seen a lot of horrific stuff. Um, you know, I man, like I don't get into it because it's not my place. It's the place right. for me. But you know, things that I've seen and and things that went on, um, it would blow people's mind. I mean, that 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 should be a book. People say you need yeah. to write a book, and this is my book right now. Me talking to you, you know right. what I mean? This I'm creating a book that I would want to read. Bottom line, and and that's that's something down the line as well. But taking for granted, no, not taking for granted, but being aware of it, yes. Yeah, a lot of people do actually turn this into books. Honestly, you probably could write into. I mean, or they make it these days. It's really the more popular thing to do is to make it a YouTube channel. So you got like Sammy the Bull Gravano yeah. having his yeah. own YouTube channel. Michael oh, yeah. Francis, this guy's yeah. own. You know, hugely, Francis, yeah, yeah, hugely popular YouTube channels. And you yeah. know, uh, Sam or uh, Michael Francis, especially, he's very good oh, at great. as hosting and talking. Hey, talking Sammy's about no these joke stories. Sammy's yeah. no joke. Listen, you know, and, and again, people can say he was a snitch, he was this, he was that. You know, there's three sides to a story. That's the least that he side, was. Their side, and there's a right side. Yeah. You know, so I'm not going to get into that because I, I didn't know Sammy. I didn't know John Gotti. You know what I mean? Never met those cats. So I have no reason to speak on them whatsoever. But I watch this stuff. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's the real deal. And you know, he, he did a lot of horrific stuff himself, um, but he served a lot of time, man. He did decades in prison. So it wasn't like, you know, he dropped a few names out there and they let him out scot-free. Yeah. I mean, he did some hard, hard-ass prison time and maximum security facilities where, again, if, if, if everything out there, you know, in terms of him being this, that, or the other thing were true, you know, basically, you know, being a snitch in this, he would have already been taken care of inside the joint. He wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. I said, man, I got nothing but but respect for anybody. You know what I mean? He was in the game a long time, and he, he was up there, man. He was up there. Was. I mean, my, my era itself was more the, the John Staff, uh, uh, Joey Marlino area. And it, it's it's funny now that at the age of 55, you go on, a, uh, what is it, a, a, A&E or one of those history channels. And yeah, yeah. I'm watching it, man, and I'm looking at the guys. I'm just waiting to see my picture in one of them. You know, it's like, because I, I mean, I, I was in those spots with those cats, yeah. you know what I mean, on the street corners, right. man, at, at Cookie's Bar, and, and, you know, I mean, it, very tight-knit community, you know what I mean? It is. Mm-hmm. It, it's um even more so. So, like I said, it's it's one of those deals that I knew I was always under the radar, yeah. uh, but I was on the radar. At the same right. point in time, right. So at some point, though, now in your through your security work, because these places were mob connected, though you did end up in prison yourself, right? I did. Um, you end did. up in, in a maximum security prison uh, in New Jersey with your with your father. Did I have that right? Did I read that right? My you were in, you were in there with your father. I was. Um, we were the only ha- at that point in time. We were the only father and son team ever to go through the system together as well. Wow. You know what I mean? But I mean, it was, it was one of those deals. This wasn't, you know, club fed, you know what I mean? This was maximum state security. I mean, you're, you're, you're in there with the big dogs, man. Mm. Um, But a lot of people don't understand too. You know, a lot of people out there that have done 
horrible crimes. And I'm not talking about being a chomo or beating on a on a woman. I mean, usually they're PC. They're in protective custody. They're they're away from general population because of you know that gets out. It, it, it it's all done for them, man. I mean, it lights out. You know what I mean? They're going to get eliminated. Um, all depending on the person in the situation. Some get thrown right into maximum security for that reason alone. It's because they just want to get rid of that POS that did something horrific to a kid or something. And mm-hmm. that's one thing is it's not tolerated whatsoever. Um, yeah. But like I said, yeah, we were, we were both through maximum security itself. I mean, you build up status with good time. But a lot of those guys that are in there for multiple murders and, and things of that nature, very violent individuals, they're, they're, they're usually your most calm people. You know, they built their way up in status where now they have more freedom. You know, it, it's they're not locked down 24 hours a day or 23 hours a day. There's more movement. And they mm-hmm. embrace that. They don't want to screw it up. And all it takes is just one breakout, man. And, you know, you get caught into a fighter or whatever you may call it. Um, you know, then, then, then they're shipped back and they're shipped back. And, you know, they got to start back all over. And, you know, they, they got a couple of life sentences. It, it's, it, it, it can lead for a really, really hard bit. You know, I mean, people look at prison. They're like, oh, my God, I don't know if I could ever survive. Well, when you don't have a choice. Your choice is to survive. You know what I mean? And I always tell people, man, you know, I did my bid. My bid didn't do me. So when I was in there, I was educating myself. You know what I mean? I was reading books. Um, I was working out. I was having guys work out with me. Um, You know, so it was one of those deals that I made the best out of a worse situation than than, than most people would. You know, and it's really no different than being outside here. With the right. exception is the food sucks, and you know there's there's no women. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that sucks. <laughs> it really does. But you know, you stay grounded. You get into your bed and you do it. Like if sometimes I got vis- visitations, which were on the weekends, and there's times I I opted out, man. Like you know, tell them I'm on you know uh, duty or floor or cleanup or you know what I mean because I just I didn't want it, man. You know, you got to get your butthole checked every single time. They want to see nothing but elbows and assholes. And it's just like, you know, it gets old. It gets old, yeah. you know. And, and I was in my bed. That was it. I was, I was into doing my deal. And um, like I said, I don't want to say I was comfortable because I it clearly wasn't. Uh, but at the same point in time, I, I went in there and, and made the best of a worse situation. How long were you in? Five years. Five years. Yep. So there had there had to have been times though where it just got really tough though. It was like oh, you yeah. know, you know, I mean I we experience this just in everyday life. There are times where I'm just, you know, I'm at home, I'm in my own bed, I'm just laying there at night staring at the ceiling. I'm just like my mind is racing. Yeah. And, you know, things are not that bad, but you know, they feel like they are pretty rough though. But when you're in a you're in a uh a facility where your life six is by eight cell, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah, I, and, and that's, you, you're yeah. living six by eight cell. You're living. A lot of times you're in, um, you know, um, barracks where there's, you know, 50 bunks on one side, 50 bunks on the other side. Then you got a little pot center in the middle. That's where all the COs are at. And then they on the opposite side. So yeah, you know, you, you, you see some shit, man. <laughs> and yeah, you get I bet. Some shit. It is what it is. You know, it's no different than being out here. You just got to be more careful. 
So when you when you got out after five years, yeah. Well, okay. So, well, first question was like, did you did your dad get out at the same time? No, he actually did seven. He did seven. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I tell people all the time, I there was when 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 the shit went down and we got caught. Okay. Ultimately, what it came down to was um, possession with the intent to sell um, um, a controlled dangerous substance. Okay. Okay. It's what it was narrowed down to. <clears throat> so they didn't have enough on me. And they, they knew that I, I was a major part of the operation. Right. Um, they had numerous wiretaps on my father. And so um, when it went down, again, they didn't really have enough on me to convict me. But they were pissed because when, when, when they came and they raided our pizzeria, which I had the apartment upstairs, they thought they were going to find a lot more than they found. And by the, by the grace of God, um, somebody came over the night before and took the majority of it. So, like I said, they thought they were going to hit the mother load. Yeah. And they found minimal, you know. But, again, yeah. with the wiretaps that they held my father and, and then the cells, the, the, you know, what he sold was, was enough to put him. Basically, they were going to try to hit him with the RICO Act, and he was looking at 20, 20 to life. Now, you know, through money, things of that nature, giving up the pizzeria, they'll they'll work with you in those terms. I mean, there's no snitching. There's no nothing like that. There's, you know, it's about money. I mean, mm-hmm. they literally went in there and, and they got over $150,000 and they reported like roughly $40,000. Well, there's, I mean, how are you going to dispute that? You know, but again, my father had pizzerias long enough that they couldn't sell that. They couldn't, they couldn't prove that we bought those pizzerias off of drug money you know what i mean so it, it's it's about money bottom line i mean money talks bullshit walks yeah so <clears throat> they turned around and they said to our attorney they said well listen if junior agrees to plead guilty to the same sentence as his father we will reduce senior's time we have the same name i'm junior he's senior um and my father said absolutely not Kid, you, you, you don't, you, there's, there's no way. And I said, listen, you know, you, you got a grandson. I said, I want you out here so you're able to enjoy life. He's like, kid, this is all full circle to me. He goes, I was born in an orphanage. And he goes, I'm going to wind up back in an orphanage again. You know what I mean? Just basically being, being controlled. And, and he was cool with it, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I couldn't live with myself. So I agreed. And he was mad. He was pissed. You know what I mean? So, Literally, I didn't have to do any jail time whatsoever, but for my father to get out earlier, that's what I did. I died myself out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bottom line. So when you got out after five years, yeah, and you and your dad eventually two years later got Correct. out. So so after prison life. So now because you're back out into civilian life, yep. you're you're starting from scratch again. Yep. I mean the pizzeria, the security job, and now you're a, you're a known offender oh yeah and so, so i still so, to this day yeah. cannot get rid of my felon okay right. it, it, it's it, it's a first degree so, so a first or second degree in the state of new jersey you can't get expunged and mm-hmm. i was part of it too they, they made sure they they hit us with everything and they hit us with the kitchen sink right so now we're we're, we're talking about decades later i still can't get it expunged right so how did you reshape your life uh, after prison? Now that you now that you got this felony conviction on your on your shoulders. 
Man, you know, I got out and there was plenty of opportunities to get back into the game because, again, we kept our mouth shut. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, I was just like, you know what? I, I, I got a kid. I got to toe the line. I don't care if I'm working two to three jobs. I'm just going to be, you know, uh, a, a citizen, man. Just be somebody that does the right thing for once. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, got back into in the training martial arts again. And, and I worked multiple jobs. I worked multiple jobs. And, you know, I was exhausted. And I, I, I was always interested in real estate. I loved real estate, you know. And um, that, that was tough because of, you know, I figured, you know what, I, I love riding by these houses, but I can't go in them, you know. But mm-hmm. as a realtor... You can go through homes, you know, previewing for your clients and everything like that. And and at that time, I, I thought I'd make a lot of money. Well, mm-hmm. at any rate, um, I, I went through the courses, the whole nine yards, and I got my real estate license. I had to, you know, obviously give them all kinds of paperwork and credibility letters, the whole nine yards, because you go through the Department of Insurance in New Jersey, and uh, it's a case-by-case scenario. So basically, uh, I did get my real estate license and, um, man, didn't make any money at all. I mean, it was tough. And I had, I had one deal, um, and we're going back, this is a 2000, early 2000s. And at that time, the house was selling for $750,000. I knew the guy that wanted to buy it and he had horrible credit. He was coming off of a bad divorce. Um, his credit was shot. He, He made it known to me. And I used to use a guy that we used to call the magic man because he could, he could make, he could make deals happen. I mean, the guy was very creative. And again, back then it's not as, um, as stringent as it is now. You know what I mean? Again, you know, you had, you had the DC F paper out there and, you know, he got creative and he was able to get this guy the loan. And, uh, I thought it was a good, good chunk of commission that I got. And he took me out to lunch. And at lunch, he gives me an envelope and I open up the envelope and, and there's a ton of money in it and I'm counting it out, man. And it's called a kickback, which is illegal, but I mean, I was taking it, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm not mentioning names. Um, so I took the kickback, man. And, and I turned around and I said, man, I said, you know, this is more than the commission I made on that house. And he said, you earned it. I said, Okay. So I need you to teach me what you do. <laughs> I got into the mortgage industry. You know, okay. as, a, as a felon, you didn't, you didn't mm-hmm. have to. There wasn't anything that I had to go through at all. So, you know, I went back to making great money again. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and I love hustling. I love making money, you know. So at the same point in time, I was great at it. So I, I went back to, you know, top status again, making great money, living in a beautiful house. My kids didn't do without, had nice cars. But when 07 hit and that recession hit, I, like I tell you, man, I mean, it, it went down to nothing. I mean, it just stopped. I used to, you know, when we had the refi bubble and all that nature, I used to say, man, I wish my phone would just stop ringing. Well, watch what you wish for. Because in 07, my phone stopped ringing. Yeah. And, you know, deals back then were far and few. And, um... That's when I said, you know, for from 07 to 09, I was robbing Peter to pay Paul just to pay for my my expenses. And Paul ran out of money. Peter got pissed. So that was when we made the decision to move out here to Branson. So you got in the mortgage industry, which uh, 
it doesn't really surprise me that it didn't really count against you to have a criminal record going to mortgage mortgages right. because at that at that you know at that point because we all know that mortgages were like it was like land it was like the wild west out there which is what led to the crash bingo you know bingo. so and then bingo. okay so then the crash happens of 07 and got really horrible around 08 they were calling for like a great depression and stuff yeah. like that which did not actually happen but well, now you know, i know, it, I know it, a few it guys from the subprime industry that own yeah. some really large companies i mean killed themselves oh yeah oh yeah I for mean, sure you know they 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 were they yeah they were offing themselves off because a lot of them are looking at prison time as well yeah because, like you said man it, it it wasn't regulated it really wasn't at all and it, like you said it was the, it was the wild wild west People yeah. out there. I mean, I was very ethical on what I did mortgage wise. I mean, regardless of what I did, you know what I mean? I had my ethics. I, I had my right. character. You know what I mean? I, I always held that. And again, it's from the discipline, you know, the daily habits that I had. You know, I, I made sure people were treated right. I wanted the person to come back to me. So I had a repeat customer, but I had a crew that was internet leads where, I mean, they were just they were doing what they were doing, and, and like you said, it, it ultimately did crash our economy. Right. So, I mean, it hit hard. It did. It did. So, you, you okay, so the uh, subprime mortgage goes bust. Yep. Um, and then, so you picked up, you left New Jersey, and then Correct. you moved all the way out to the Midwest to Branson, Missouri, of all places, which is very interesting. And for those of you listening, you know, I'm based in Ames, Iowa, which is only a couple hundred miles from Branson, Missouri here. So, yeah. um uh, it's, so it's it's interesting to it's an inter- interesting place to land. Wow. I guess like 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 you said like uh uh before we started the recording here, you know, you knew pe- people out there. So if there's a reason to move, shocked, man, <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. So they didn't know how to deal with me, and, and and you know, Branson itself, it's the Bible Belt. I mean, uh-huh. we have more churches per square mile than most towns have, and I'm oh, coming out it. fully blasted. I mean, from my head down, I'm covered. Yeah, you know I what I mean? So that. I'm coming out of here and they're like, oh my Lord, what is this guy about, man? Plus, <laughs> I'm a Yankee. You know, uh, I don't, I mean, these people are just slow going, kind, good people. Now, give me, don't get me wrong. There, there's, there's schmucks everywhere you go. And I've, and I've dealt with it quite more than enough here. But yeah. you learn that after 14 years. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you, okay. So you move from New Jersey here. Well, one, I mean, I'm kind of, how I guess I should ask you: How was the uh, decision to move from New Jersey? How did they even allow you to? Because you're, a, like you said, you're a first degree convicted no, felon. I was off paper. I was off papers. Yeah, I was. I wasn't on parole or probation. Okay. Okay. So, gotcha. I mean, you know, that that doesn't follow you. I mean, your felony does, but yeah, you know, okay. I wasn't on paper where I was restricted to to stay anywhere in particular. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because I thought you were still maybe on a on a parole nah. system. All right. no, I was but, off paper. That's what we call it. You're off paper. You're off paper. Okay, cool. So you moved out to Branson, Missouri, and there's the culture shock. And I can tell you, I do know the culture shock myself because I moved out here as a kid from Baltimore. Okay. Um, yeah, which, yep. you know, Baltimore and Jersey are, you know, pretty much stacked on top of each other. They are. Um, it's, 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 it's very different, though. I mean, the, uh, the culture of Jersey and the culture of Baltimore, I mean, in terms of like, at least in terms of crime, Baltimore is much more street, I think. There's not much mob in Baltimore, not really, but it's much more street. Uh, well, I, I was involved with a 1% club, uh, MC, okay. Motorcycle Club, and uh, that's where it started out in Maryland. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our, our colors were the Maryland, Maryland state flag. 
Yeah, yeah. So, oh, wow. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there, there's, there's, people don't realize, they're thinking Maryland, man. Baltimore, man, Baltimore's a rough spot, man. It can, it can be, oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, man. So you moved out, all right, so now you're in Branson, Missouri here, and you moved out there with your family, right? Everyone, Correct. Everyone, okay, so now yeah. you set up, you went out there and you established an MMA studio, right? So you went, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of like, you went back to what you'd always had gone back to was the martial arts uh, arena here. So uh, how, how was that for you when you moved out there and set that up? Well, like I said, when we moved out here, we were living with our in-laws. My, my brother-in-law had a show here in Branson. He did Elvis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we moved out there with minimal amount of money. And, um, you know, we moved out here in the wintertime. So, again, this was actually November 22nd that just passed, marked 14 years. And from the end of December until mid-March, Branson's a ghost town. Now, from spring break until the end of December, we get anywhere from 10 to 20 million tourists here a year. So timeshare is big in this industry, uh, in, in this, in mm-hmm. this uh, town and um, everything else sales wise. I mean, entertainment, obviously. Uh, so my brother, my, my father-in-law, he said to me, he goes, you know, he goes, you'd be real good at timeshare. You know, they make great money. And I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. Well, it, it wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. And I'm like, you know, I'm, they're making me cover up my tattoos. I'm wearing makeup. I'm feeling weird about that. So I said, you know, I'm going to follow my passion again and, and open up a school because there was no schools here. There yeah. was not, nothing at all. So I started, I started a jiu-jitsu school here at the YMCA in Hollister. And, you know, it just, it built and built, like I said, small town, real small town. I, I call Branson a one big dysfunctional family. So, mm-hmm. so things spread quick and, and people were interested. I mean, they're bored. Again, it's a ghost town for a few months here. Um, I got into training law enforcement. That spread. I got certified. So I was able to trade the state highway patrol, uh, police so they could they could get the credits for it. And um, I just started to build build a, a community, build a clientele. And, and really, I mean, it, it got me to where I'm at today. Gotcha, gotcha. So, what did uh, when did you start actually doing what you're doing now, which is the strength certified, and and how does that differ from anything you've done before? Um, what happened was, again, with with the with the message I have, I love helping others. Right. That's that's always been a passion of mine. But through martial arts, I was able to touch, you know, a hundred, maybe two hundred people. Back then, I could go do seminars because you didn't have YouTube and everything, and that kind of destroyed that aspect. Um, but again, like I said, I, I was able to touch people and, and literally save lives. And I saw this and, and that's very rewarding when people come to me and say, you know what, Rick, you know, if it wasn't for you, I probably would have been dead. I was, mm-hmm. I was on the brink of suicide. You know, this was happening. And I, I just, I, I, I knew I was here for a bigger purpose, you know, and it, it wasn't about money. It was, it was to change lives. So <clears throat> right when COVID was about to kick off, I, I thought in my mind, I said, you know, doing it internet would be great, but physical fitness would be better because if people could do my jailhouse workouts at home. You know, if mm-hmm. quarantine hit and they were locked down, I could put them through a system where they didn't have to go anywhere besides their house. I put them on my app, my trainerized app. I stay in contact with them. We do Zoom calls. You know, we keep each other accountable. And 
it did great. I had a, had an investor that had multiple companies, very good friend, very good friend of mine to, to this day. His name's TJ. Um, and he invested in it with me. Well, TJ had multiple companies and he was using the same IT guy. And for some reason, there was just some type of uh, disagreement that he basically pulled the plug. The IT guy was on his way out anyhow. He was sick of the shit. You know, and when he pulled the plug, he pulled the plug on, on my program as well. And my, my first month, I made a little shy of $15,000, which was a good chunk of change for me. You know, and for him to pull it, I was I was devastated. But at that same point in time, COVID hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we got COVID that we're dealing with. Um, my oldest son, Dave, he went missing. And it wasn't something that was uncommon i mean he ran he, he wound up with a with an addiction himself so there's times that he would go out on a sick one for weeks so it wasn't uncommon but he was missing um then then like i said with um, um i had i had a hip replacement i was i was um going through a divorce getting separated and um i i just wasn't really concerned about the program much anymore like I had other things that I, I had to focus in on. So um, I let it go. I let it go for years. And in, until I went into treatment, again, for being an alcoholic, um, that's when I revisited. I said, I need to get back into this. And my coach now, my mentor, Wes, he he basically, you know, did what, what I was planning on doing, and he excelled. I mean, I, I'm watching this guy just blow up and blow up and blow up. And I'm like, he's not, he's, we're doing the same thing. What is he doing that I'm not doing, man? And, and you know, somebody that has an ego and wants to do it on their own. I didn't want to invest in this program. I didn't. I figured I, I could do it. I, I'm doing it, you know. But, again, I'm watching him go from making no money to now. Wes is making close to $3 million a month. I mean, that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? So it got to the point where I, I submitted and it was a good chunk and change that, that we had to find. And, and by the grace of God, we were able to, you know, come up with those funds. I could have used it to, to pay the rent for my gym. I could have used it for new tires. But I said, you know, God's using this for this program. And again, I, I linked up with Wes. You know, we, we built a relationship with each other. I'm in contact with him on a weekly basis. And he gave me the blueprint that I needed for strength certified. So all I'm doing is I'm, I'm following his blueprint and I'm watching it unfold, man. And, and again, it's just little details, just like anything else in life that, that you might be missing that, that brung it all together. So for me, it's easy. I don't mind talking on camera. I don't mean, I don't mind, you know, creating content. Um, I'm already disciplined. I have that structure. It just, it just gave me the additional, drive to go harder you know at 55 man you know things slow down a little bit but I, I, i'm not accepting that. you know i'm guessing considering i had nine knee surgeries a total hip replacement tore i can't tell you how many tendons and ligaments um and other surgeries as well um i just i don't eliminate i replace you know and again i have a lifetime of material like i don't realize they're like man you're expensive i'm like do you realize the money I have invested in all my education and all my trials and tribulations over decades? 
um, that basically I'm giving away. And I tell people, man, you got to pay more to pay more attention. Because if people don't have skin in the game, they don't show up. You know what I mean? They don't get involved. Right. You know, when you know when I when I gave that money over to West, man, I, I wanted to make sure I got my return back on my investment. For sure. Which I which I had. You know what I mean? I mean, he's the real deal, man. He's 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 my homie. So at Strength Certified, um, so what do you offer people at Strength Certified? How do you work with them? I mean, you know, you, you got your you got your your friend and your mentor, Wes. He probably yeah. has his own way of relating to people. I'm sure you've got yours. Correct. And um, you know, so how how do you really reach out to these how do you really reach out to people who need the help but <laughs> are always kind of like on the fence with how they actually get started here, you know, because you know. I can tell you from my experience and anyone who's ever worked with people, whether it's in personal training or anything, you know, you always got these people who are just kind of um, gun shy and they know they need to do it, but they just don't or they're really slow to move. You know, it, it, it's creating content. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm, I'm not somebody who's force feeding my programs down their throat. You know, when they go on to my Facebook page, my Instagram page, my YouTube station. You know, over the years, they're able to create a relationship with me without mm -hmm. even meeting me. So now it's, you know, they're calling me with the credit card. Like, I've already been watching you, you know, since 2017. You know, this is the program I want. Bottom line, you know, I, I keep it real simple. I got mm -hmm. three programs. I got a low-end ticket, a medium, and a high-end ticket program. So all, look, all depending on what you're looking to accomplish, I've got a program to fit your pocketbook. You know, and it all starts here. Right. I mean, my program typically starts off with your mindset and your macro-based diet. Because if I don't get, if I can't get your mind right, nothing's going to be right. You know what I mean? Like, like I tell people, man, I, I can get you motivated, but if you're not doing nothing with that motivation, you're just going to be there 12 hours from now, motivated, but that didn't do shit. You know right. what I mean? So again, I I give them non-negotiable tasks. You know, they have they have a, a structure. It is a system. And, and again, it's just a matter of them getting off the fence. Bottom line, you know what I mean? But it's not something I force feed them. You know, they come to me. Now, again, being in Branson here, I do have a community group. that uh, I'm an invite-only gym. So it's not open to the public. So I don't care how much money you're giving me. If you don't fit our community, you're out. You know, I don't need their money that bad. So the good thing about it is, is I cultivated a community inside my gym that we keep each other accountable on a daily basis. It is a community. And that's the same thing with my program. Even though it's online, it's, 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 I make it as simple as possible. Now, all you have to do is jump onto my trainer eyes app. I already got the, the workout sent for them, all depending on, you know, what they have available. I mean, it's a question I ask them. You know, do you have no weights? Do you have weights? Do you have bands? And we, we create the program for them. And it's, again, getting them down to a macro-based diet and then just having those non-negotiable daily tasks that they have to accomplish before the end of the day. That's it. I mean, you know, people say to me, well, don't you take a day off, Rick? I said, well, do you ever take off from being a man? Bottom line, you know, even God said you need rest. You know, science says... You need eight hours of rest. I said, science says you're a bitch. You know what I mean? Because you don't need, you know what I mean? You just, yeah. I, mean, I try to use back from the profanity, 
but um, I'm actually doing really, really good. <laughs> um, I am, and I have respect for you. But, you're you're you know, okay. It, it's, it's all a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset. I mean, you can talk yourself in the health, and you can talk yourself in the sickness. Right. You ever uh, just got a question? Have you read uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's new book, Be Useful? I haven't. No, I, I, I listened. I listened to it on audio. On audio, and what you just said about uh, rest is actually pretty funny because it, it kind of resonates with Arnold. What he, what he said, he's like, because he's talking about at some point in the, in, in, the, in the book about how you would actually structure your day to get in all the things that you need to do with all your goals in mind and stuff like that. Like, and then he kind of like um, mentions a counterpoint that a lot of people say, well, Arnold, what about rest? What about relaxation? And he's like, the other thing too is like, it's narrated by Arnold. So it's read to you by Arnold. I love it. Uh, That's cool. And so he says, look, I got some bad news for you, friend. Rest is for babies. I love Relaxa- it. Relaxation is for retired people. So, which category do you belong to? <laughs> you know, it's so funny you said that because I was just at Books a Million. I picked up, I got obviously Wes's book right here. And Wes has a book. But I nice. picked up Thinking Grow Rich Again by Napoleon Hill. Yeah, I, I got book. that too. I, I, I got that too. Somewhere somewhere here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. I, I, I used to be a huge reader yeah. um, for some reason. I'm more into watching podcasts now and, and, and audio and yeah, but but I can't put the book down, man. It, it, it's no. a, it, it's a great book. I read it before, but again, a lot of my TBI, the traumatic brain injury, I, I forget some things as well. Right, so sure. Digging deep back into it, which is good. But um, yeah, Arnold always is was was one of my idols. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I loved Arnold. You know, what I mean, love watching the stuff, watching um, pumping iron, and uh, and I walk by the book. And I'm like looking at it, and um, I'm gonna pick it up, thinking we're rich again. But if if you're if you're recommending it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy it. It's very it's very good uh, because it's well, one I didn't expect it to be read by Arnold. I thought it'd be read by a professional uh, narrator. But the, so the fact that he is reading yeah. the book to you um, is all the more special. Um, but it's it's very revealing. There are things about it that. You know, you don't really anticipate, you don't expect that he kind of goes into um, okay. that. That's very sort of revealing. I mean, we know we know how what a very disciplined and very kind of um, uh, very solid person he is in a lot of ways. You know, we know that his mindset is strong as ever. Unbelievable. Um, it's unbelievable, um, but it's really kind of it's really kind of cool. So I would recommend you looking into it. It's like seven use seven ways to be useful by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I would recommend it to anyone listening to this because it's look very in, helpful. Look at it this way: the guy moved to this country, uh-huh. Austria, yeah. couldn't speak a lick of English. Okay, not only became Mister Olympia seven times, okay, but married into one of the richest families in the world or in the United States, the Kennedy family. Mm-hmm. And then became, you know, a box office hit. You know what I mean? Like like things that were told to him will never happen. And then the mayor, come on, let's I mean like I mean if he if he if he was born here in the United States, he would have been the president. Mm-hmm. I mean the For guy sure. the guy is just he's just such an amazing man. Um never met him. I'd love to, because I, I believe he still has the Arnold Classic in Columbia, Ohio. He does. He does, for sure. He does, yeah. And um, from my understanding, everybody that's 
That's how I met him, just as he is who he is. He's just yeah. a genuine good dude, which that just solidifies it. I don't know if you've ever seen Pump and Iron. I have, actually. Man, the mind games he played with Lou, for right mm. now. Just, I mean, it's, it's just, it's hysterical. And I yeah, like Lou, too. Yeah, it's kind of funny, too, because he does touch upon um, certain parts of his early life, like in these early bodybuilding careers. and. You know, it's funny because now we we see him, we know him from when he was very young. So now he's in his mid seventies, and we kind of see wow. we've kind of now see how he is. Well, if if anybody who was in even watched him, you can see how he's kind of grown over that time and how his ways have kind of like come full circle. It's like he's not he's not the you know the cocky kid that he once was now he's just more like an elder statesman he's still very much arnold yeah you know very yeah. much arnold but he's now yeah. more, more more refined sure. uh, but he's but you know it's yeah. kind of funny too he's like because he he says like you know he goes details all these things he used to do that, so he could re reach his goal like never settling for less like even when he was moving into uh into acting you know he was setting himself up that he didn't have to take all these little piddly roles that he was being offered he wanted to be a leading man so he right. became a leading man right uh, he didn't take all these little bit parts that he thought were just trashy and didn't want to do right um he just kind of always shot for always shot for the moon here and so you know to kind of bring it back to what we were talking about earlier about mindset and how to actually um reach your goals that you want to attain first yep. you have to think you have to think that you're deserving of it and he's always thought that he was deserving of it sure um and even oh the other thing that really struck me about him is like he is an eternal optimist everything like yeah. he always finds a silver lining in, in, in everything in any bad thing like his rough childhood his abusive father right. he finds a silver lining in everything he like you know Who's my that? dad my dad was not the greatest guy in the world. He drank a lot. He would beat me and my brother. Yeah. You know, he sometimes was awful to my mother. Yeah. Um, but there were things I did learn from him that I've carried throughout my life. And, you know, actually this book comes a lot from what he says, like, you know, be useful. Yeah. This, is, this is kind of taking a page directly from him. Be useful. Whatever you do, be useful. So that 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 really, if you really want to get down to the heart of who he is and how he's achieved his things, it's like that is at the center of it. He's always been able to learn something from everything, no matter how bad it has been. It, so, with that in mind, though, you said your gym was a is invite only. So how do you, when you have this on your online uh, business, do you have a way of like qualifying people, or is it just kind of whoever wants to join joins? Yeah, whoever do, wants to join join. Okay. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, right. it's more personal here just due to the fact that we're around each other. Right. Um, you know, when, when somebody's online getting my program, I can't dictate what they, what gym they go to, who they surround themselves with. But again, I can give them the mindset tools to help them deal right. with those individuals. And, it, and every, every week we have zoom calls. Like I'll do a zoom call. I did a zoom call yesterday at four. Today, I'll do another one at four. So our first Zoom call is basically just, you know, questioning, Q&As, Q&As. Q and, A's. and then, um, you know, uh, like today, we'll just go into a little more deeper uh, mm -hmm. subjects, more personable things. So again, you know, every, everybody needs somebody to talk to. And again, we'll, right. we'll typically get anywhere from 
25 to maybe 75 people on that Zoom call, sometimes more. Wow. So, wow. yeah, yeah, like I said, it's 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 it's, huge. it's a good time, man. It really is. And, and, and I live for it. Like I said, I won't miss. And what I say, I won't miss a post. I won't miss a Zoom call. My door will be open every single day at 5 a.m. Again, I will be up non-negotiably at 7.30 or 7.30, 2.30 a.m. every day. Go to bed at 7.30 sometimes. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I was, I was going to – that would be another question for him. Like, how much sleep do you actually get? I mean, you must I turn in pretty three early. Three and a half to four hours. Oh, nice. Nice. So but you – I make we, sure I'm in REM sleep. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know, I, I'm able to do that. Um, again, it's just years of, of having the mindset and perfecting it. So – Typically, when I sleep, there's three and a half to four hours, sometimes more. So, I mean, sometimes more, but I'm, I'm averaging, like I said, about four hours. And you wait, when you wake up, you feel totally rested and ready to go? <laughs> Not at all. No? Okay. Not at all, man. Okay. No, I was feeling good. But, I, again, I tell people, man, that's, that's one of the highest forms of gratitude that you can give to your higher power is to, to get out of a comfortable bed when it's nice and warm and you want to sleep. And trust me, I wanted to sleep this morning. But I roll mm-hmm. out of bed, I hit the floor, I crank out 50 push-ups. I could do more. You know, I could do over 100 in the clip. But 50 is fine for me just to get the blood going, get the head going. And I'm already there, so I grab my Bible and I pray, man. Like, I'm not somebody to push religion on anybody. I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? But if it works for me, man, it works for me. Bottom line. Um, and then I'm, 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 I'm hitting that coffee, man. Yeah. I'm a caffeine freak, man. I see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I live off it. It keeps me going. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than any energy drinks that are out there. Like, oh, you know, God, you know, no. With the, the coat yeah. right here. But, you know, I said, man, we, we all have our vices. Yeah. I just try to stay away from the wrong ones. Yeah, you know, I tried to, you know, I used to drink energy drinks a little bit. And uh, I don't know, something happened with my body. Like, it just turned against energy drinks. I can't even touch the, even the mildest stuff out there without it making me feel like ass the whole rest of the day. That's good. Like, I, I just don't. Maybe it was a combination of drinking coffee and the energy drinks that was doing me in. But I don't okay. know. It's like, even if I sample it, it's just like. Oh, I just, I just, I just feel awful the rest of the Good. day. So I had, I had to give it up. How old are you, Sean? I'm 40. Yeah, you look great, man. You look a lot younger. Thank brother. you. Thank hey, you. Hey, hey, staying away from that right there is just going to keep you looking the way you're looking. <laughs> I mean, I get people. I mean, I mean, I do hospital institutions, AA, NA meetings where yeah. I'll go, I'll share my story, I'll talk, just to help and inspire. I mean, I, I'm here to help and inspire other okay. people, and they need. It. But I see so many cats out there, and I'm like, "You're how old?" They're like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Wow, I thought I thought you had yeah. at least ten years, and they're ten years younger than me." Uh huh. Beat you up, yeah. man. It can, it can. Now, uh, one thing I want to I want to ask you about because uh, you you've mentioned this in passing, or at least in, in in conversation, and now you just come out and said it here. So, um, you 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 do are you you are a Christian, right? I am. You are a Christian. Did you come into that later in life, or has that always been something you've always held? You know, growing up, um, Baptist, um, our, our minister lived on the same block. I was involved in the church at an early age, but I threw a kid off a sliding board. He got hurt. They kicked me out of church. 
And I kind of, because uh, the, the daycare was at the church, you know yeah. what I mean? I think this was kind of the same time I got into martial arts. Um, You know, it, it, it wasn't a huge thing. Now, I moved out here to Branson, and again, I call it the Bible Belt. Um, and I always believed in higher power. Um, God told me he was taking my father when he passed, and it freaked me out. So that's what I knew. And again, it was, it was a feeling I got. No one spoke to me. So I knew there was a higher power. Um, and then one day, man, I was feeling real broken. I mean, I was down in the dumps, and this individual said to me, did you ever think about praying to Jesus? I said, nah, man, that's that's it's not my style, man. I, I, I believe in the story, but at the mm -hmm. same point in time, that kind of interferes with me and my higher power. And this individual said, well, what do you got to lose? So one day I, I, I did, and, and I gave my life to Jesus. And I said, I just need to see a sign. Give me a sign. Give me something. And as soon as I got done taking a nap after that prayer, I got one of the most unbelievable signs that I just... I was, I was sold, man. I was sold. And again, I'm not here to push nothing on anybody. Sure. I, like I said, this, I'm, I'm just starting my journey on that as well. But I just know that, that God, Jesus is, is better in my life on a daily basis. Now, you, you mentioned it earlier that your son, your oldest son had gone missing. Correct. And then um, he was subsequently found dead. Is that correct? Is that correct. Correct. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, not going too much into that or not being indelicate, I just did want to ask about that because I'm a father myself here. Yeah. And, you know, I've had dreams of something happening to my son, like yeah, man. a car accident. Or, sure. You know, we, we had um, kind of a close encounter on the road together and he was in the car and, you know, it was fine. Right. But, Thank you know, God. I was, I, oh, lost him. He said it was going to happen. Hey, Sean, I lost you, buddy. I'm just going to hang tight. What do we do with that? Just wait. We're back. Hey, yeah, we're back. Uh, All right. I don't, sorry, I don't know what happened with that. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, internet, you suck sometimes. But anyways, <laughs> uh, okay, we're back. Uh, so, yeah, and we had a really close encounter, and I was thinking about that later on because he would have been hit worse than me if it had happened. <laughs> and I was like, you know, typically as it is when you're laying in bed at night and things are quiet and dark, everything's yeah. going through your mind. I'm like, I'm like getting chills just thinking sure, about man. it. Ugh. Sure, it's rough. So I, yeah. So when you lost your son, yeah, and on the way you did, I mean, you can talk about like a huge blow and a huge devastation and a huge loss. Yep. Um, how how'd you how'd you deal with that? Yeah, I. I me, myself, I, I never use the word dead. I, I use the word past. You know what I okay. mean? Because like Einstein said, what was it, Einstein? You know, energy can never be destroyed. It can only be transferred or... Exactly, yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think I was preparing myself. Because when we moved out here, he was 15. Big kid, you know, grew up martial arts, same way, on the mats. And and um, Dave, Dave was 6'6". Six, six, about 257 pounds solid. I mean, <clears throat> he could have possibly went to the UFC and, and had a good – he could have done anything he wanted in life. Uh, unfortunately, he, he made some bad decisions. And Philippe, even though this is a Bible Belt Christian town, there's drugs everywhere. And there is a huge meth population here in Branson. And he got, you know, got caught up with the wrong people, the wrong crowd, the wrong drug. 
um, had an addiction problem himself. And I, I watched what he would do and the people that he hanged with and, and things that he would tell me about. And I said to him, I said, listen, Dave, I said, here's the deal, buddy. I said, it's only going to wind up, you know, in one or two ways. You're either going to wind up in prison or you're going to, you know, something's bad going to happen to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that point in time, when he went missing, obviously we had our suspicions because of, you know, things that he was involved in. Um, but as time went on, I knew because he was my best friend. I mean, my best friend. I could trust him with anything, anything. And, you know, we hung with each other. And, you know, when he wasn't on, on a sick one or on a bench, you know, um, he was with me. But yeah, at the same point in time, I, I had to have boundaries. So I didn't want to be around him when he was on it. Now, if you wanted help, I'm here to help you all day long. I'm your father. You know, we, we can, you know, we put him through um, treatment centers and everything like that. And so <clears throat> when he went missing, I heard every horrific story there was for two years. Because there was a lot of sick individuals out there that want to gain credit on his disappearance. Get the, you know, the, the street credibility and this and that and just horrible stories. And, you know, you're dealing with people that aren't mentally right. I mean, they got sleep deprivation, they're just on bad drugs. and But I had to hear every one of those stories because I was just looking for the missing piece of the puzzle to put it together. You know what I mean? So for two years, it, it was a living hell. It really was. And um, <clears throat> like I said, fast forward, and they, they, there was a guy with his dog, and he was hunting for antlers. And his dog went to a remote part of the woods where um, he, he came across my son's remains. And the guy just said, I was so upset because the dog always comes back, always comes back, and then he wouldn't. Finally, he had to go retrieve the dog, and he said it was in this isolated part of the woods. And he goes, and that's when he came across my son's remains. I mean, at that point in time, it was it was just skeletal remains spread out. I mean, they they retrieved 97% of, of the remains, which off the remains itself, they ruled out any type of foul play. Uh, again, we, we believe it was probably through an overdose. Uh, he still had his gun on him. It was fully loaded, one in the chamber, his knife, his jewelry. He had some money in his pocket still and, the, you know, the, the, the pants that he had on. Um, so it gave me closure knowing that, you know, his physical remains will not be on this earth, even though he's still with me on a daily basis. That's why I don't have a real hard time talking about it. Because I'm at peace. He, he's with me, man. We, we, we still have a relationship together. Um, and I think about the good times. I don't think about the bad times or anything. Because what, what does that do to you? That's just going to nag you out. And again, it's the mindset. That's why I, I tell people, man, you know, I would love for you to get involved. You know, yes, it's, it's the way I make a living. But I'm not in it for the money. I'm here to help people out that might have went through similar experience than I did. Maybe lost a loved one that really don't know how to handle it. Because, again, without a strong, strong foundation and a mindset, which some people don't have, they're going to need something or they're going or they're going to go to voices. You know what I mean? Like, in adversity, are you somebody that goes to personal growth or are you somebody that goes to the vices, the alcohol, the drugs? And that's just going to put you behind the eight ball. You know what I mean? No pun intended. It, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to put you in a bad spot. And and so I always had to keep that 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 mindset and, and be the strength and be, you know, the, the, the person that I, I would want to talk to. 
And um, yeah, man, like you, you never, you never prepare yourself for something like that. You never think it's going to happen, but you know, I, I've, I've seen it happen. And, and again, on the path that he was on, unless he made some major changes, I, I knew it was, it was inevitable. You think he would have gotten through it as easily if you didn't have your your martial arts background and the uh, and the and the uh, the belief in God? Uh, no, nah, man, no, nah, not at all. And again, like I said, even me with God at that time, you know, we 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 didn't, we didn't have the connection that we have now. You know, um, it it was just being positive. Like I said, I mean, yeah. literally, I would put in my my earbuds and. I'm, I'm where my facility is. It's, it's, it's a huge ballpark. Mm-hmm. And I would just throw in my earbuds and, and literally listen to my mentors, his, his videos, listen to his messages, listen to something positive. And that, that would just, that would keep me going, kept me going. Like I had to be involved in positive stuff at all times. Yeah. I really like Arnold was saying, like you told me there, there was no room for negativity at all. And, and I tell people all the time, you cannot negate a negative thought with a positive thought. The only way you can negate a negative thought is with a positive action. And I don't care what that is. Mine is lifting weights. It could be doing a dish because there's a dish that needs to be done or vacuuming the floor, washing the car, taking the dog for a walk. You have to do something that's positive. And it's usually in some forms of a physical activity. For me, at least it is. Right. That's part of the program. Yeah, that's what no. I said. The mindset program, man, it's 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 huge. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it is huge, and you know, something everyone kind of struggles with. But you know, everybody. You, you everybody, you have a north star. You figure out what that is, and then you come back to it, and it kind of just puts you right. You know, I like that. So it's a uh, you know, it. There's a lot of things. I mean, our minds are, I think. By by engineering, they are def- they default to negative thinking. It it was once a survival skill that we had to, you know. But um, again, going back to Arnold's book, it's you know there's a lot of things that's about human nature that once made sense and once were useful that don't make any sense. And I think um, the uh, the negative the negative thinking and the negative spaces that we tend to just fall back on. You know how you think, you know, you can get a, a thousand compliments and you get one negative compliment. And that's the oh, one yeah. you're focusing on, you know, yeah. you know, you got, you got, you know, 999 positive things. You got one negative thing and that's, that's what you zero in on. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. But again, like you just said, it's just, you know, what I, what I tend to do anytime that I get negative and again, I'm not in a situation, maybe it's in the car or something like that. I just think back to my worst times. Yeah. You know, how bad could it be? You know what I mean? And then, and then think of the accomplishments that I've achieved over life. And that, that kind of up, uplifts me a lot. Because like you said, I believe we're all inherently negative as well. Because of, again, if you woke up positive and comfortable, really, what would you do throughout your day? You're, you're complacent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that negativity makes you get up and get things done. Yeah. Makes you, helps you accomplish things or it can destruct you all depending on how do you want to gear your mindset. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man. So, so you got, all right. So now you do strength certify, you got an online presence, you got your gym. Yeah. Um, you, so you're, you're doing a lot. So what, what's, uh, what's next? What's on the horizon the next couple of years, man, you know, like I said, it's going to get more into mastermind meetings where I collaborate with other people as well. 
because of, again, it's just the more people that you have together, networking yeah. together with the same visions and maybe different visions, but the same mindset, positivity. Um, yeah, like I said, get in the, get in the meetings, more speaking. I, lo- I love to get in front of people. Yeah, I really do. I, I love to be in front of an audience and, and, and share my story. And, and you know, again, even if it resonates and, and, it, and it affects one person, that's all I need. It doesn't have to be the other thousand, just that one person. And again, that, that's what we're all here for. We're all here to better each other as humans because we are all one in one way, shape, or form. And, and, you know, the more people start to figure that out, maybe they'll be a little more kinder to each other. Yeah, life isn't a zero-sum game. You know, it's not all about, you know, for me to win, someone else has to lose, for, you know, or for me to for me to get better, someone else has to do worse. You know, that's a, it's, you know, it's a, I feel like that's a, that's a message that's being propagated a lot these days. It's like, you know, it's, it's fine to be competitive, you know, and it's fine to want to improve, but you don't have to step on someone else to do it. I've never, I've never seen the logic behind any of that. Uh, there's no reason. No. There's no, they, they're not ready for it yet. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. hopefully they, they get it one of these days because you nailed it right there. You know, I mean, being competitive. Oh, I'm, I'm competitive. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. very competitive. Sure. Get me in front of that chessboard, man. I, I, I'm eating like, you know, but at the same point in time, we're all, we're all here to better each other. And why wouldn't right. you want to, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I tell people, I, yeah, I might teach with compression because I'm that individual, but I have compassion. And, you know, a bully's going to bully you. You know, the difference between me, I might I might bully you a little bit, but I'm going to give you a solution to what I'm criticizing you on. Yeah. Like, yeah, this this isn't, but this, this is what's work, what works for me. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can do. You know what I mean? I can only tell people what works for me, and they got to figure out the rest for themselves. And I'm, I'm here to help and encourage them along that, that process until they don't need it anymore. But at the same point in time, man, again, we're here to better each other. So Rick, uh, we have a closing tradition on the podcast here where the uh, guest gives the audience one final thing to remember to walk away with. All right. So if you could give people listening one thing that they can walk away with that they'll remember, if nothing else, what would you say it would be? Man, I'm going to have to take a phrase from my mentor and my coach because it, it resonates with me so well. You know, what you want to do is you want to create that individual that you want to be and then pass that person along to somebody else. There you go. That's Simply it. Said, share it. Share it. Create that individual that you want to be and then pass that on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Rick, how could people get a hold of you if they wanted to? Numerous ways. Um, Facebook, it's Rick, R-I-C-K, Koenig, K-O-E-N-I-G. Again, K-O-E-N-I-G. Um, you'll see um, my picture on there, of course. Um, Instagram, same thing, Rick Koenig. Facebook, or not Facebook, YouTube is strength-certified with an S. Mm-hmm. So certified is spelled with an S. And I got a pretty big YouTube station out there, which I have a lot of content on there that I think people would really enjoy. Rick, thanks so much for your time, buddy. Yeah, man. Sean, I appreciate you having me on board, man. 
this is part of the process and and we'll collaborate again, my friend. I, I can tell that. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I'm only one state above you. So if you want to, if you're ever in Iowa, maybe somewhere around Des Moines, just hit me up. Well, yeah, I'm very familiar with Des Moines. However, you said you have kids. Yeah. How many? I have two. I have a son and a daughter. Ages? Uh, 13 and 9. Perfect age. We got Silver Dollar City here. And again, um, out of all the tourist attractions in the United States, Branson's in the top five. And really? I don't want to say it's a cheap vacation, but it's cheaper than Florida and it's cheaper than California. It's not too far from you. And with the entertainment, the shows, the, the attractions, like we have theme parks here. We have the, the, the world's largest wooden roller coaster in the United States. I mean, it's a blast. Hmm. Check it out. Look up Silver Dollar City. I'm throwing a plug in for them. Brandon is a cool, family-oriented vacation town. It's like the Vegas for families. Mm. So like I said, I mean, you want to come down here? I got plenty of connections with uh, with timeshare resorts, condos. So if you're thinking about maybe doing a little vacation with the family, I'd be more than welcome to help you out with tickets and things of that nature. Sweet, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I'll be honest, Branson, Missouri didn't never really figure big on my uh, ideas for vacations, but maybe we'll know. I, know. Kid, kid, I tell you, man, I, like, I love it as an adult. Like the water mm -hmm. parks they have here, and like I said, Silver Dollar City, um, I, I forget how many millions of lights they have, but it's owned by a family out here called the Hershens, and, and they're a great family. They do a lot for the community, but uh, Silver Dollar City is, is, is off the off the chart, man. It it is like like I said, and you really don't have any. You don't have to wait for the rides. Like you know, you mm -hmm. have to do at Six Flags or anything. You're usually on and off. So for the family, man, it would be a good vacation for you guys. <laughs> All right, keep well, it in mind. Yeah, I'll keep it in mind. I'll keep it in yeah. mind, and I'll yeah. touch base with you if I ever find myself down there. But likewise, if you find yourself in Des Moines, you know, I'm just, I'm like thirty miles from Des Moines, so fantastic. Deal. I love well, it. Well, Rick Koenig, thanks yes. so much for your time. And, it's my uh, pleasure. Yeah, it was my pleasure as well. And all, the, all of you out there, you know, yeah, I'll put all the contact information in the show notes so you'll know cool. where to find it. But awesome. uh, yeah, well, until next time, everyone, thank you, who whoever has listened, whoever will listen. This is Fitness Reborn. Until the next time I we meet, train hard. Peace out. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you walk away with something useful from the episode. Don't forget that you can subscribe to my publishing platform called Samo Lives. It's the same platform I upload all my episodes and I write my articles and my blogs and wherever else comes to mind I think is worth sharing with the world. The link is featured at the bottom of the show notes of every episode. By subscribing, you are becoming one of the very first that gets alerted whenever a new episode or a new uh, blog or a new contribution piece becomes available on the platform. You can also follow the show, Fitness Reborn with Sean, by clicking the follow button on either Apple or Spotify or whatever your preferred streaming platform happens to be. I want you to know that your listenership, your viewership, and your continued support and your well-being mean the very world to me. Thank you so much. I hope to see you next time. Take care.